think I've just worked out that Elsa, that I made my debut the year Elsa was born, and I'm terrified if that's correct. <laughs> when did you make your debut? Well, Jake said 2005. <laughs> oh no, I'm 2004. Oh, well, that makes it loads better. <laughs> Welcome again to the Cricket Scotland podcast with Jake Perry and Rosie Ryan and part two of our International Women's Day special. Rosie, I'm still bowled over by part one with Sue Strachan, such a terrific guest who left us with lots of really positive messages to think about. I know, um, you know, just so inspiring. And also I still feel, I can just still feel the energy from that podcast. Um, and I'm excited going on today because we've got two really you know, exciting role models. And we've just had great representation this week. We certainly have. And I know that we've both been really equally excited to catch up with our, our guests today, uh, two of the stars of the Scotland setup, Elsa Lister and Abby Aitken Drummond. It's a real pleasure to be able to speak to two more inspiring women from within Cricket Scotland. Elsa Lister, one of the rising stars of the Wildcats team and another whose place in history is already assured, Abby Aitken Drummond. Uh, We're absolutely delighted to see you both today for this very special edition. A very warm welcome to the podcast. Delighted to be here. And you've both been training today? Yeah, we have. Um, I've been up in my bubble up at Gordonston. There's three of us up north um, and Abby's been training at NES. So yeah, good to get the girls back together, albeit very safely, um, and just hitting some balls and bowling some balls. So I guess we're going to start with the big news uh, that broke last month, the appointment of Mark Coles, um, the first full-time head coach of the, of the women's national team. Um, Elsa, what was your reaction hearing the news? I was super excited because obviously we had, we had quite a long wait to find out who it was. There was quite a long process. Um, to find out and I think it was just super exciting because he's obviously got so much knowledge and he's worked with so many great teams um, and especially in women's cricket and I think it's really special to have um, such a wonderful guy specialising in women's cricket to try and bring us forward. And and Abby, the fact that obviously it's a full-time position represents like a huge step forward for the women's game again. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's, it's really exciting, as Elsa said. Um, I think the girls are delighted. Um, the roles come at the right time. Um, I think it's important that, to note that Mark will have his work cut out. His, his role isn't specifically just coaching the national women's team, but he'll also be looking after the Performance Academy women and then working with yourself, Rosie, to make sure our domestic and regional game is as good as it can be. So it's really exciting that we've got someone now that will be part of Cricket Scotland that's, whose responsibility is purely that. Um, but yeah, certainly having access to a coach that will be able to hopefully work with the women, especially the ones that are in and out of work or university and trying to get um, one-to-one set up and things like that. We've just never had that before, really. Um, so yeah, we're all really excited to get Mark over here and, and just can't wait to get started. Yeah, I mean, Mark's most high-profile former role, of course, was as head coach of, of Pakistan. As, and as you may have seen on on Twitter over the last day or two, uh, you, you all had a chance to meet with with Sanamir. Um, how was uh, how was that? Tell us about that. Yeah, Sana is um, 
such a role model. I can't speak highly enough of her. Um, just her knowledge, her wisdom, the way she can communicate her experiences and give advice is is just incredible. And to have an hour of her time was just so invaluable for the team. Um, we all came ready with our questions and, and what we wanted to ask her. And I think, yeah, just being able to soak up that kind of experience from someone such as Sana was just brilliant for us. Um, and, and thanks to Sue, Sue Strachan for help setting that up. I know um, she worked hard to make that happen. Um, and we obviously, first question to Sana was, what was Mark like? Um, so we got a little bit of inside information there, but it was all good stuff. So yeah, it's just really um, made us more excited for Mark to come over. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed talking to Mark a few weeks ago and we were just so excited with his enthusiasm and obviously the love for the game. And um, I think Jake and I are excited to see what, what happens as well with, with Mark coming in. And I'm obviously looking forward to working with him. So just moving on a wee bit, um, you're, you're both aware that we're celebrating International uh, Women's Day this week. And I know that you are both amazing advocates of, you know, the women and girls game and obviously huge role models uh, for younger girls and boys and men and women. Um, so, Ilsa, what does the important day mean for you, I guess, just from a personal point of view? I think it means huge amounts and especially in sport to be able to um, celebrate how far we've come as women across all sports Um and how the equalities are get, um, getting more and more equal. Um, still not quite there yet, but I think the day just, just signifies just a celebration of women, um, and obviously for us specifically in sport. And and, and I think that's, that's a really good point, and just the, you know, the equality, and, and you know, it is obviously getting, it's getting better, it's improving, the women's profile in sport is vastly growing, um, but we do know that there's lots still to be done. Abby, what are the types of challenges that you've overcame, you know, being a woman in a woman in sport, and and how have you succeeded those as well? Um, it's a good question. I think there's challenges with with everyone in all walks of life. We know that, but I think as a as a female sportswoman, I think you know. It's, it's, there's there's loads of stuff. There's fighting for media coverage. There's fighting for more resource. There's fighting for more budgets. There's fighting for sponsorship. Um, there's a lot of things that we still need to improve on, and they have got better as the years have gone by. But you know, we still have a long way to go, as Elsa said. And I think a day like International Women's Day can just help amplify that, and you know, celebrate what we have done and what has improved but also highlight I guess where we still need to go and how we're going to get there together. I mean just picking up on on that and one of the more disappointing challenges I suppose that that we all face I think anybody who's involved in in women's sport in whatever capacity um, I mean we've just seen the last week the negative side of how women's sport can be viewed with the the tweet that Alex Hartley put out former England player now a rising media star um, put out what I read and I think most of us read as a joke uh, about the England India test uh, which was greeted with something of a of a pile on after one of the England players uh, sort of highlighted it um, I'm going to plug another podcast here uh, if you haven't heard 
No Balls, the podcast Alex does with Kate Cross. First of all, do because it's it's just brilliant. But the latest episode is a must listen thing for anyone who cares about women's sport. And it should open a few eyes uh, to those who uh, to think that they don't have to, um, I suppose. Um, there was also a terrific article by Ben Gardner of Wisdom this week in which he systematically dismantled a lot of the assumptions and, and prejudices and nastiness that often seems to accompany coverage of, of women's sport. I retweeted it and you replied in a beautifully put way. And if I can just quote it here, you said, it's like he's crawled into my brain and, and managed to verbalise the constant emotions and frustrations that appear whenever we, we read or see something like this. What are your thoughts around all of this and particularly on how to, to deal with it? Is it to ignore? Is it to challenge? Is it to educate? Is it a combination? Yeah, it probably is a combination. Um, I think depending on who you ask, you'll, you'll get different answers. Um, I, I followed that whole scenario last week on Twitter and I was sort of one side or the other, I was wanting to delete Twitter and then I couldn't find myself coming away from it to follow what was the latest. And um, it was just so frustrating that something as tongue-in-cheek, clearly as tongue-in-cheek, that, that Alex Hartley put out on her Twitter just blew into this massive debate. Um, and I was just dumbfounded. I just couldn't believe that we were still having this type of conversation in 2021. And yeah, it's massively blown up proportion. But then when I saw that Wisden article, I thought, okay, here's this, this is brilliant. This is a really, really good piece of journalism because as a female cricketer, I constantly see tweets um, with varying arguments but you know quite often I follow a lot of the England women or Australia women or whoever it may be these professional female cricketers that are constantly subjected to this kind of abuse and um, or, or tongue-in-cheek jokes on the other foot but it, it that unfortunately it just doesn't work it's not fair with with women having faced years and years of this type of criticism or lack of support or you know there's not an equal playing field here and until the day that there is those jokes aren't acceptable from men but in a, in a way it's tongue-in-cheek and it's a joke from a female you know and and I think Alex Hartley was trying to see the fun side or the funny side sorry not the fun but the funny side of something that was obviously not very funny but what can you do in those situations you know as a fan or as a player you're all devastated but we have to move on that sport and I think something as, as minor as that should never have blown out into this massive debate um, that it became but yeah I think in terms of how do we deal with it it is education it is sort of I guess in a way if you're taking a positive out what happened um, you know people are now speaking about it and raising their opinions and there's a conversation I think conversations are always the way forward and um, if they're done in a way with people willing to listen to the other side of the argument that isn't necessarily their opinion because um, I think if you go into these types of conversation refusing to back down or to listen to other people's opinions you're never gonna make change I made the point with Sue actually in part one just talking about the the the, the coverage or the the way that the profile of women's sports evolved over the years and just about how refreshing it was to see the last football world cup and how it was so mainstream um, that everyone was talking about it and everyone was following it as sport, not as women's sport in inverted commas. And is that the holy grail for us? You know, for cricket, that it will be seen as cricket, not as men's cricket or women's cricket? 
I don't know. I, I, I'm a fan of cricket. I'm a fan of football. I like to watch it all. Um, but I think in, the, in more recent years when women's cricket has had more of a platform and games are actually on television, I enjoy watching women's cricket more than I watch men's cricket. And that doesn't mean to say I'm not a fan of men's cricket. And it certainly doesn't mean I'm going to then take to Twitter and slag it off at every opportunity that I can every time there's a catch dropped or, you know, someone leaves one that's on middle. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I don't understand that that side of things but I I don't really care for this men's and women's where I just I just want to see fans of the sport enjoy the sport you don't have to follow women's cricket if you like cricket but you just just don't go and call it out you know help the sport where you can that that's where I kind of sit on that front yeah it's interesting um you say about that Abby actually how how the women's game gets called out so much more than and than the men's and it's um it is obviously it's so frustrating um so i guess what we'll do is we'll spin this around and and on to inspiration rather than frustration um Elsa, being one of the youngest members of the squad how excited are you for the future of the women and girls game in scotland because you're gonna see a whole journey as well yourself just as Abby's already seen as well um and you're you know you're at the the start of that as well and uh, not saying that you're at the end Abby uh, by any means um of course yeah but, you know you're, you're you're now at the start Elsa what what are your thoughts on that like I'm super excited because just seeing the amount of girls like especially young girls getting involved like well last last week we were on a, a intro to coaching course with with you Rosie and just to see the amount of girls wanting to coach and, and women wanting to coach cricket whether that is men's cricket boys cricket girls cricket just more females wanting to get involved in the sport is super super exciting um, and obviously with the with the cricket it's taking off more and more clubs are doing it. You see more and more girls and women taking part. And just one thing I noticed on our our coaching course was like the smiles on everyone's faces. Like well, our well, our coaching course, you know, everybody was really keen to tell to say their opinion and you know give their input. And just to see the the amount of enthusiasm, and you can see that that's that's spreading. Um, you know, and it is take it is taking its effect because there is much harder to get into into teams nowadays. And um, there's just there's just many more girls on the scene, and I just think it's really exciting because I think it can only grow from here. Yeah, I think I think uh, the the coaching courses were amazing. It was obviously great to have yourself on it as well, and then um, I'm delighted that a few of the players are starting to look at coaching and actually, you know, realize the difference that they could making that as well and I just find that so exciting but um the coaching courses were obviously a, a great success um and we had 90 92 sign ups um, so I mean yeah look it was absolutely amazing and it was just great to speak to to people and from all over the country from you know the southwest of Scotland where I'm at all the way up to you know um the north of Scotland as well and the, the coastal areas up there which was just amazing um Abby I guess like first of all what I want to ask you is what got you into the game um as we're kind of talking about coaches and and what was the pathway that you took uh from there into your full debut um 
God, it's a long time ago. Let me have a think. Um, so I, I guess as a kid, I played every single sport I could possibly do, and and I'm a, still am a massive believer that that absolutely helps you know children develop as athletes. Um, as much as I want to see the, the participation rates of cricket grow in this country, I think it's so crucial that we allow our kids to play different sports. And um, you know, play, focusing on that one sport just too early on can lead to all sorts of burnout, or you know, they then become you know a bit they don't enjoy it as much, and we just don't want to see that. So I think playing every sport that you possibly can as a kid is just so important, and it's something that I did, and my parents were really supportive that I did do that. Um, and I just happened to have a, a local cricket coach come into my primary school and thankfully at the time we needed we were entering a, cric- a quick cricket tournament um, and we needed a girl in every team that was the rules of the competition back then which I think was a Cricket Scotland competition um, and because I could throw a ball and I could catch a ball and I was relatively sporty it was like right you're in and I'd never played a game of cricket I'd never watched a game of cricket um, but I didn't care I just wanted to to try and, and have a bit of fun and um, yeah it turns out I won player of the tournament so I had a bit of a, a natural talent I guess at this, at this sport and obviously if you get told you're pretty good at something you want to keep going and you want to keep seeing how well you can do so from there I just joined my local cricket club which was Montrose and um, quite a small small cricket club shared with the rugby ground and um, yeah it was the only girl um, for a long time and actually my friend Carling played for a bit, but um, yeah, played played all through their juniors, their 15s, 17s, and then went to play for their men, men's team, and yeah, only female in that pathway. Uh, and I think it was about age 14 that I got a call up to the Scotland women's team, um, which was the first time I'd ever played in a team with other females. So it was it was bizarre, and um, it was cool. It was just bizarre, and it was just a bit sad that now where I can see where the game is my only um, experience of playing in a female team was with the national team at age 14 so um, no such thing as a pathway um, but compared to where we are now it's, it's obviously much improved and, and we're in a really good place. Yeah and I think um, it's so interesting the difference um, from then to now as well but Elsa I'm just gonna I'm gonna flip it around now from the experiences of Abby and yourself and just the differences in those and and you're yet to make your international debut but you've had three listy experiences for Scotland so far and how did it begin for you? So it actually began quite similar to Abby so I um my brother played cricket since like since he could walk basically um and um he's always been involved like through primary and then I think it was maybe primary four that I actually went to my local cricket club you know being the younger sister wanting to do everything my brother did um and I went along and I just loved it and I was I was same as Abby I did every every sport and just loved it all and always like my main sport was rugby and so obviously that was male dominated as well so being with the boys didn't really phase me. Um, so yeah, so I went with Huntley um, up until maybe S- S3, I think, um, and played boys cricket under 16s all the way, all the way through um, and played, I think, maybe one full season with Huntley men's team. 
um, and then I moved to Stonywood Dice, um, and I was moving from Huntley. Huntley's actually got a really good girls setup, thanks to um, Neil Nickel mostly. Um, so I was going from playing with a, a few, three or four girls in the in the men's team, to going to Stonywood that hadn't had a female there since um, Fee Penny actually, who left quite some years ago. Um, so I was going to a club, no no females, anything, new leagues, everything like that. Um, and through that, I was playing, well, I played under-17s when I was still at Huntley, played under-17s girls, had a couple of trials, um, and played some Cali games and things like that. Um, and then I went on and I was playing Performance Academy as well as playing men's cricket at Stonywood. Um, and I'm still at Stonywood, love it. Um, I did get used to the used to the funny looks because when I moved to Stonywood, I didn't even play against a girl, Um so I did get a few funny looks, you know, realising oh, she turned up actually to play, not just to watch. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really, I actually really enjoy playing men's cricket and I, I think in some ways it helps develop you even further. Um, obviously because of differences in strength and speed and things like that. Um, so I, I still love playing men's cricket, but I have to say I, I do much prefer playing <laughs> women's cricket and especially... And being in the Scotland squad and getting much more training with the girls as well has been really good. So I'm quite excited to hopefully make my international cap soon. The really cool thing was last year that that we all uh, watched was you uh, keeping wicket for the men's team at Stonywood. How how was that that experience? Because looking in, it looked you know the they really made a great shout about that as well, and I think that was so important to just for a club to turn around and say, look, like, you know, this is a first, but um, she's doing amazing and she's in her first team right now, you know, keeping Yeah, like so um, I played two, I played a, um, one Eastern Premier League game against Watsonians, I think. Um, so I, that was when I made my EPL debut um, and managed to get three catches that game, so quite chuffed that. But, um, well done. Uh, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> I felt like I didn't really feel... Um, I obviously felt out, out of place a wee bit, but um, the the guys at Stonywood really, really were supportive. And on social media, all through the season, you know, if I ever had an A game or under-17s or anything, they were always retweeting and making me feel, like, really included. Um, and I played a couple of um, T20 games, like, first team as well. Um, and to f- play first team was such a p- huge privilege. And but to be honest, any time that I'm stand behind the stumps it doesn't really matter what team I'm in I just feel at home to be honest (laughs) I think Rosie that also highlights I guess as much as our journeys sound quite similar into the sport I think in my experience I went from zero to 100 going from literally club cricket straight into international women's first team senior team Um, and that's you know shouldn't really happen in any sport and it's just where we were at the time I think I think that was about 2003, 2004, and Scotland Women were only formed in 2000. So we are still relatively young in our development. But I think what's really cool now is that um, we might still rely on a brother or a dad or an uncle that loves cricket or plays cricket to, to tag us along. But now we have opportunity to actually keep those girls and women interested because there's, there's genuine pathways for them to go into. Whether it's just softball tournaments or cricket, you know, we can keep them interested or whether it's 
you know, club cricket that do actually have girls in their junior section or if they're good enough, they could go into a regional competition. Like, that's really encouraging and really excited. And I think that is the way that we need to go. And as long as we keep building on that, um, we're just going to, yeah, we're going to keep going on this upward, upwards curve. Upwards and I think with, <laughs> it, you really see it with um, the regional as well. Like, now we've got, obviously got the Stormers and the Eagles, which are the main ones, but we've still, now we've got under 16s and under 18s with with Cali and um, West and East and you just see the amount of girls that are wanting to not only play cricket but they all they all have the enthusiasm to continue and to continue to grow and hopefully then break into the the more senior teams like the Stormers and Eagles. Yeah. I think um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna quickly expand on this as well and I think the amazing thing that I've seen over um, four and a half years within Cricket Scotland which is mad um but actually just the for for all this and then more the expansion of everything clubs are doing amazing jobs of actually turning around and saying do you know what like we we want to start up a women and girls section and 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 that is for me that is the best part that it's not just it's not something that i get um out of the blue anymore it's all the time clubs are are coming along and saying like you know how do we start this and and that for me is just so so exciting because it provides more opportunities for people to play for women and girls to play and and if you're close to another club that are looking to start up then you know you can link together we're we're all in this kind of it's like the cricket community all in together you know um but you know through people like yourselves it really inspires clubs as well to get involved and actually say we need to you know we need to facilitate um making sure that there is a, a really nice pathway for these girls to if they want to come to our club that they can progress and get better and hopefully go on to maybe some regional cricket as well but also if they want to stay in cricket or if they want to stay in softball festivals then there's also an opportunity to do that as well um and that's really exciting i think for a long time the the sort of easy part was, was you know, advertising a come-and-try session and let's get some girls and women along. But the hard part's actually um, keeping those girls and women coming back. And I think there's more and more clubs now trying to do their bit or, or asking advice on what's best to do. And that's really cool. That's really positive for the game in this country. Um, and it's just, it's just looking at, trying to look, if you have more females in your club, more females can offer advice. And it's things like turning up to a clubhouse and realising there's nowhere for you to get changed or there's nowhere for you to go to the toilet because the facilities just aren't there. That instantly is a massive barrier to wel- making females feel welcome at your club. And I think there is more and more um, clubs out there thinking, right, okay, how do we attract 50% of the population that we aren't already opening our doors? And it's just looking at things like that. Um, and I think, yeah, making sure there's good coaching there. But now Cricket Scotland have put in place these good pathways it's all set up ready for clubs to like really push and really drive and do a big female recruitment drive to their clubs and make sure they're playing their part. And I think all of us working together, and Rosie, you're doing a fab job in the role that you do, um, and now with Mark coming, it's just really, really exciting. It's the role that um, things like All-Stars and, and Dynamos as well, when that gets going, can play too, because you know when I've been along to All-Star sessions, it's it it's just totally, totally mixed, totally gender mixed. And it's if these these little tots can kind of keep coming through into dynamos and then into you know the facilities for them at the club to then join a women's section as well i mean the, the future is just incredibly exciting but i just wanted to to um take you back a little bit abby back to your back to your debut again 
the age of 14, as you say, um, against Ireland. So straight into the international scene, 2005 European Championships, a uh, couple of wickets you got in that game as well. What do you remember of, of that time, of those those early games in your Scotland career? Um, not much is a quick answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I always hate this because I get really embarrassed that I don't remember much, but it, it's really hard. I think being a senior player now in the team and having played for so long, I understand massively the importance and the privilege and how we're one of potentially 14 females away representing our whole country. And now there's much bigger pathway and there's many more girls in the background that would love to have that opportunity. You really do appreciate it a lot more and you've worked hard to be there. So I think as a 14-year-old, I was a little bit more naive. And again, as I said, it was the only time I ever played cricket with other females. I probably didn't really think, wow, I'm playing for Scotland here. Wow, I must remember this is my debut. And, you know, it certainly didn't didn't get a first cap. There's no sort of ceremony to at the beginning it could have been five or six or seven other females first game for Scotland at that time um, so I don't remember huge amounts and, and it sounds really bad um, but I do remember that it was definitely not as professional as it is now um, you know you, you would potentially get your kit in a black bag on, at the airport before you go and it's probably three sizes too big for you and um sometimes you maybe have to contribute financially to, to go away um, even training sessions we didn't meet up often as a squad it could be once every couple of months for a couple of hours and it was always in Edinburgh so um, yeah there's massive differences now um, but in terms of remembering debuts and, and how well we did and stuff I, I'm really really bad I hate to say it well I, I know that there's certainly something that you do remember very well from that time and uh, which is of course Carrie Carswell the influence that Carrie uh, had, I I know, had on your had on your career I mean at that point she was captain of the side she was uh, very soon would become its its coach and then when she did of course as player coach at the age of 19 you were appointed to the captaincy um, tell us the story of, of how that came about yeah um, so Carrie's been um, pivotal in my cricketing career um, she's Still a good good friend um, this day and, and uh, we chat regularly um, about cricket and just about life and, and whatever she's just so good to have on the other end of her phone she is at the other side of the world unfortunately now but we still catch up when we can um, but yeah certainly when I first went into that Scotland squad um, Carrie was head and shoulders above everybody else um, there's no I think nobody would disagree with that um, so she was sort of that player that I thought okay this is how she's hitting the ball, or this is how she's bowling the ball, and oh, let's really try and, and learn from her. And that was really cool to have a, have someone like Carrie in a team. Um, and I remember the day that we were all sitting in MES, and we knew we, we were waiting on a, a coach announcement. Um, and I, I don't know how I missed the sort of heads up or how people knew, but I remember um, Andy Tennant was standing up at the time, head of high performance, and speaking to girls and, and Carrie was standing next to him and I just assumed that she was standing next to him because she was captain. I, I actually hadn't put two and two together but I think there was only one in the room who hadn't and um, yeah Andy then went, went and said you know we're, we're delighted that Carrie's accepted the role as, as player coach and I was sort of like wow this is brilliant and everyone was sort of like oh yeah cool cool brilliant and yeah I'll never forget that day because I was somewhat surprised but I think it wasn't because she wasn't deserving and was certainly not the right person she she absolutely was at that time 
I think it was because I just always looked at Carrie as Captain Carrie and she was almost what she was untouchable and she was brilliant so um, it was an exciting announcement and then yeah the captaincy came out of the blue she put me to the side one day at a training session in Sterling I think it was and she said well let's go for a quick walk and yeah 18 19 at the time and yeah she just said so obviously with me being coach I'm, I'm not going to continue to be coaching captain and player and opening batter or whatever everything that she was um and she just said she, that she would like me to be captain and I think my jaw hit the floor to be honest it was um completely completely surprised um you know I had quite a few players still in that team that were my senior that had played cricket for much longer than I had um and being a sort of 19, quite, quite, well, very introverted, um, lacked confidence a lot of the time. I think my initial response was, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. And um, just her reassurance that, you know, she's still going to be around for a few more years as a, a player. It would be a, a learning curve for, for us both. But she wanted to sort of pass on the knowledge. Um, those first few years as captain, I think it's safe to say Carrie still had that armband. But to be able to learn from her was something that I'll forever be grateful for because it's not something that I guess every player gets. Um, but that made it a lot, uh, probably quite cool when I stepped down a few years ago and Catherine Bryce became captain and I'm sort of still in that playing um, position. So um, as much as I think Bryce's tactical knowledge is, is up there or very good in comparison to everybody in the team and certainly um, on board with mine, if not much better than mine, but um, being able to pass on that experience with, um, how to speak to players and, and how to be that communicator and just be there if Bryce ever has any doubts or any questions. It might not be to do with the cricket. Um, I feel quite privileged to be able to give that back, um, which is something that Carrie obviously gave to me. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a journey um, since then. It's quite a while ago. And, of course, the later stage of the journey, I mean, your last appearance for, for Scotland, which was more than a year and a half ago it was actually the penultimate game that Scotland have played which kind of puts it into context with everything that's happened but that took you to 151 caps which is just one behind Carrie's Scotland record um I'm mean, not jinxing anything here uh, but what would it mean to to equal or to to overhaul that record yeah I think I feel like I've been sitting on 151 for um quite a while and I think even pre-covid times um I have been probably out of the team, out of the starting eleven more than I've been in it, and um, that's personally been really disappointed with that. But it's just added sort of fuel to the fire and got fire in my belly, if you like, to make sure that I still contribute and put myself in the best position to be able to be selected. So um, it's been a tough probably last few years, I think personally for me. Um, somebody did sort of say uh, after giving up the captaincy, um, how have you felt that potentially? not having a responsibility for the team and having more responsibility in yourself do you think that's actually affected you and um when they said that i thought god that's a really interesting point it, it probably has i like to be in control i like to try and have a team to lead and it's actually quite left me quite vulnerable and um, just having to focus on myself um so it's a constant it's a constant work on um but yeah i think to reach the same caps with carrie would be pretty cool if we go one more it'd be probably a little bit cooler <laughs> but it's not a main focus and she has constantly been the number one supporter say come on beat me come on keep going keep going you know she she would never want me to finish below her um but yeah it's in it's in the back of my mind that that sort of milestone is coming up but um i think when the time comes to hang up my boots i think i'll more 
pay attention more so to probably the number of years that I've dedicated to Cricket Scotland rather than how many caps are in the statistic because I think you know back at the start you, you were lucky if you got four or five games a year so um, and that's similar to Carrie, similar to quite a few players that have um, played a part of Cricket Scotland's journey so far and are no longer um, within the setup. you know these girls dedicated a many years and potentially won't have those caps next to her name like some of us and someone like Ailsa has got years and years ahead of her and hopefully 20-30 caps a year that she can she can aspire to achieve. Yeah I think like, it's, it's so interesting talking about Carrie because I think Carrie has played a, a huge role in, in a lot of cricketers, female cricketers in Scotland's life and she was definitely one of the first people that I she is the first woman that I came across when I played my first cricket match and then asked me to go along to some Scotland under-17s training and just great at like, getting people in the game and definitely a huge inspiration for me as well. And Ilsa, like Abby, you came into the Scotland setup at quite a young age and you're still only 16 now. Um, who's been your biggest influences and inspirations so far? Um... That's a tough one, actually, because I've had <laughs> I've had quite a lot of people that have um influenced me a lot of like um people that have encouraged me, um to be honest, my brothers have had a huge a huge influence on me as much as I sometimes don't like him giving his input um <laughs> and often well he absolutely lives and breeds cricket um so it's often him asking me to go for a net or him asking me to go out. And as much as m- most of the time I want to say no, because I'm like, no, go away. But um, I'm actually really thankful um, that he has the passion that he does for cricket. Because to be honest, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it this long um, without him um, like kind of annoying me to keep going, I suppose. <laughs> um, it's definitely been... Um, the cause of many fights in the house um, you know who batted the longest who got who out in the garden um, but it's also been something that is like will stay with us for I think for a very long um, a long time um, yeah he's, he's the main one I can I can think of I've had lots of lots of coaches like Ryan Denyer who I've been working up with working in Gordonston with and um, he had quite a big influence on me because he was under 17s coach when I first came in. So obviously that was when I first broke into like the women's setup and things like that. Um, and then more recently, just um, someone he's called Michael Lowe, but he work he um, plays at Stonywood and he also lives in Huntley. But he's been driving me into Stonywood and I've had many lectures from him, um, and he's helped me a lot as well. I think I've just I think I've just worked out that Elsa that I made my debut the year Elsa was born and I'm terrified if that's correct. When did you make your debut? Well, Jake said 2005. Oh no, I'm 2004. Oh, that makes it loads better. (laughs) Only a few few weeks old. Can I just say I'm I'm 29. I'm not like 50. If that's made me sound ridiculously old, but not that 50 is ridiculously old. But you know, oh wow, 2004. Okay. Experience, experience, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. So, Elsa, you were also nominated uh, for the Young Sports Women of the Year category at the 2020 Scotland Women in Sports Awards. Such a fantastic acknowledgement of what you've achieved um, 
already and and i'm sure there's so much more to come but how did that feel um i was quite surprised to be honest i didn't know that i'd been nominated um i'd just been nominated by a family friend and when i kind of found out to be honest i'd never heard of like scottish women in sport um i hadn't seen them before um and to see and it's just a huge a huge privilege to be honest and then to be, to make a finalist I was even more surprised um because I was just thinking you know like because cricket's not at the forefront um of women's sport or just sport in general in Scotland um so I was very surprised um but very privileged and because I just I didn't see, I don't see what, what I've done as a huge, you know, a huge thing. It's just, I've just done it, you know, it's like, it's just been so, it's just felt so normal. Um, and it was just, it was, a, it was a very big privilege. And obviously to get the support from the team as well, um, it really showed how close we are as a team, you know, even though there's, there's huge, um, like age differences and things like, well, not huge, don't worry, I'll be, um, <laughs> um, but you know, like it just shows where we just come from all over the country, um, and I was I was really shocked at the support that that I had from the team, and it was just and especially you know still being one of the newbies, um, but it was really lovely as well. You're a player that I I always enjoy watching. I've already kind of waxed lyrical about that stumping that you pulled off at the uh, the regional match last season, um, which was just fantastic. And as a batter, you are someone that's always looks like you're you're looking for that opportunity to take the game to the opposition um how would you describe your mindset your approach to the game you know as a as a keeper and as a as a batter um i'd say i'd say i'm quite i'm quite passionate um and i just i hope i hope that every time i play i show how much i love the game um in how frustrated i get at myself and very hard on myself but also how like how much I celebrate the wins as well, um, and yeah, I'd, to be honest, I know this is probably the wrong thing to say, but I I just don't like boring cricket, um, so like you know, and I've just decided you know like and the way the game is moving, especially T Twenty and ODI, and um, you just need to have so many so many shots in your locker, and I just love experimenting, love learning new things like just going to training all the time i just love it and i wouldn't do wouldn't do anything else to be honest <laughs> and it's funny i mean abby just following on from that um i remember talking well talking to to annette and to carrie um for for uh for the book and, and then them talking about how you know in the early days it was like you were terrified of getting out that people were walking out to bat almost petrified because you know we have to bat out the 50 overs because that's what you have to do and and as Carrie said, you know, it makes no difference if you batted out your 50 overs and have put a substandard score that the opposition are going to knock off in 20. Um, and I remember us talking about the South Africa game in the World Cup qualifier in Sri Lanka, um, where we ha had them three or four down, bit of trouble batting second, but kind of let, let it off the hook a little bit. And, and we talked about belief, um, that it's this thing that's really easy to talk about, but is much harder to actually to actually feel what do you think i mean assuming things get back on track post-covid and we're able to pick up where we left off what's the priority do you think for the for the team going forward in terms of of all of that its mindset its its culture if you like 
really good point. Um, I, I remember that game against South Africa, and I, I was, I'll put my hand up and say I was probably quite an emotional captain, but I didn't hide away from that. Um, and like Elsa, I'm very passionate um, and very proud Scott. And I knew that when I took to the field and the tartan, that I was going to give it everything, and I wanted the 10 other players that were with me to, to do so. And um, I remember thinking on the way to that game, how am I going to, what am I going to say to the girls in this changing room? Because I knew there was a feeling of, oh my goodness, it's South Africa. And not, oh, this is really exciting at South Africa. And um, we were obviously not a favourite to win that. But how many opportunities are we going to get to play a team like them? Um, just given what sort of ICC tournaments we get to be a part of and for as long as World Cups remain the same size that they are. So I personally was like, this is really cool. We, we could really make a statement here might not win the game but we can still make statements by by trying and that that belief needed to be there and that's exactly what I sort of said to the girls you know don't put your hands up but in your head raise your hand if you actually think you can you can win this game and don't answer it just think to yourself and if the answer is no you have to find a way in this next hour of warm-up to turn that around to a yes and for everyone that does already think they can win this game go and have the warm-up of your life, get yourself prepared and let's go and have fun as soon as that first hell's bold. And, and yeah, when it came to the crunch, I, I think we needed to we needed something to happen quite early on and it did. We, we got a few early wickets and I think only then were those probably those few people that still took the park with that no, I don't think we can win this game mentality, looked around and everyone was a bit like, oh, we, what, what do we do now? We, we could, if we keep going this way, we could win this. And, um, it was really exciting and, and Danae Van Neerkirk, the captain, came up at the end and said, you know, well done, um, you girls gave us a scare and um, the future's looking bright and that was huge learning for us all um, and I think Carrie in her time as coach started that trend with, like you say, the cricket's not a game of going out to defend, we're not there anymore. Um, I'd rather you be all out for 30 having all tried than be 30 at the end of a physical for game because you've all gone out and blocked. Like, it's exactly that. Um, and then, so she really tried to get that sort of mentality into girls. Um, and then Stephen, his his time over the past four years has also tried to probably look at that innovation and, and let's try and can we figure out G60 game plans and how to manipulate the field as batters can we hit these boundaries because we're all strong enough we've got snc support now that we've never had before and you know the girls are getting this more professional setup so how do we take our game to the next level um, and i think that's really exciting when mark comes in he talked a lot about having fun whilst doing so, doing so and i think he was right when he said sort of the higher up you get the more serious things you can get um and i think we'll be our best when we're most relaxed and having fun, knowing the severity of, of a game and potentially it's, it could mean qualification or not. But we've always known that. So if we can learn to, to play cricket with a smile on our face and have fun whilst doing so and just really believe in the skills that we've all worked really hard on to continue to improve, then, yeah, we'll be in a really good place going forward. And I'm going to just finish off um, with the final question. And we'll go to you first, um, Elsa. We've asked Sue the same question in the previous podcast. And, and just how do you choose to challenge? Um, you know, it could be the future of the women and girls game, or it could just be in general. Um, to be honest, just to keep, well, to keep challenging everything that is a step back for us, because... I do sometimes think we take two for, two steps forward, one step back. Um, so keep challenging. And I think everybody needs to 
the more people speak about it and the more we challenge you know derogatory comments on twitter or anything like that um the more the word spreads and i think we it's a definitely a collective thing you know it's not one person it's not two people um if it, if those two people speak to another two people things like that um and it just keeps spreading and i just challenging everything that that goes wrong that you know steps us back that is just unfair um on us and just keep fighting for for that equality um and it's not that women are better or anything like that but just getting what i think we deserve and abby um <laughs> so i saw the international women's day tagline i think was was choose to challenge and um i'm going to be brutally honest here my first thought was I'm fed up of challenging. Um, I would love to just now be in a world where we don't have to challenge and we can just play our sport and enjoy our sport and have the people who want to follow our sport follow it and we live in a blissful world. I just, the choose to challenge, I'm afraid to say, I just, uh, yeah, I, I don't have much left in me to challenge at times. Um, and, and that, it, it might sound quite negative, but it was my gut response um, when I saw that. Um, however, I do think it's very important and part of the cricket pun, but I think we'll continue to just push boundaries. Um, I think, especially looking at the, the women's national team, we have the opportunity to post totals that are higher than we ever have, you know, bowl teams out, to beat teams ranked higher than us. And I think that's what we can do as a collective group. We can get our heads down, play some good cricket, get to know what our brand of cricket is and really showcase what the skills and the talent that we have on offer. Um, and that will help play its part in, in pushing the boundaries and challenging. Um, so I think that's what, what we'll do for as long as I'm playing and it might not be playing for as long as I'm involved in cricket in this country. I will certainly play my part to, to challenge. Um, but yeah, I would love to not have to challenge the minute. <laughs> I'm afraid to say, but here we are. Um, and I think I think just going on from that, you know, Abby, um, that it's not you know, it's not just one person. We all have a we all have a part to play and and obviously Jake being the only male in the podcast right now, Jake is a fantastic ally, you know, and we we need to scream about these these guys that are, are flying the flag for equality as well and, and and you know, making sure that feminist is a is a positive word and it actually just means equality, um and everyone is, you know, the same and, and that's so important as well, I think. Yeah, I think International Women's Day is not just a celebration about women for women. I think it's a celebration for everyone. Um, and it's just acknowledging your part to play in that. And I think when we, we look at cricket, I've spent the past 16 years, goodness, 16 years, 16 years, yeah, I think, um, <laughs> involved. And I, as much as I probably look at Ailsa's career with um, equal parts excitement as I do jealousy, um, I am so excited that she is one of the players who potentially, well, can certainly make a career from being a cricketer, but potentially could make a career from being a cricketer in Scotland. And that's all I ever wanted. But I have firmly believed now that that's not going to be possible and that just, it's such as life. But, um, and that's where I think as much as I might look on that as a little, you know, a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of envy, um, I have played my part in the journey to help that potentially be possible for Elsa. And I know that, you know, when we speak about a voice to, to fight or a voice to challenge, um, you, you play your part whilst you're involved and you 
lay the you put down the groundwork and the foundations for the people who are following you to, to pick up where you've left off when you leave off. I'm not not leaving anytime soon in that <laughs> way. Um, but you certainly, yeah, you lay those foundations for the next generation coming through. And I think that's how we will continue to, to grow. So I think there might be a few tired voices along the way, like I've just said, but hopefully there's then a few um, people with all the energy to pick up the fight at times where you sometimes feel like you, you can't battle any longer. And I definitely, I definitely feel very thankful for the likes of Abby and and Carrie that have, you know, fought so hard for so long. Um, to for me and other girls my age to not have to possibly fight as hard because the the challenge has become a little bit easier. We're obviously not at the end yet. Um, though we don't know when we will be, but I do feel very thankful. Um, and grateful as well that I am in the position I am. Um, to follow on from the likes of Abby I think that's it it's like I use the word fight a lot and I think now it's not a fight um but there's some there's some sort of uh, words ingrained probably but I think yeah hopefully now for Ailsa it's a conversation and it's not a fight and then for the the, the little girl that could be listening to this that's yet to be in Ailsa's footsteps it, it could hopefully just be equality for her and what an amazing world that would be so I think um, sometimes when the, the, the fight or the challenge get hard um, or it seems like you, you, you don't have the energy anymore you, you probably do have to take a step back and say actually where have we come from how far have we moved in the time that we've been a part of things and, and sometimes reflection can help definitely Abby Aitken Drummond and Elsa Lister there. And that's it for our celebration of International Women's Day for another year. Rosie, thank you again. One year on from our first episode together. I know, I know. It's been a dream. I think this is, I think actually this is just the next step in my career, uh, honestly. No, but look, it's been a fantastic week and just celebrating uh, for International Women's Day is, is huge and you know, I'm just so excited. I know we say it, we've said it a few times in the episodes, but I am just so excited for the next couple of years, and um, you know, especially the the changes that are going on. But you know, the future is looking so bright. Uh, me, me too. There's so much to look forward to. Well, thank you again to all of our guests. It's been such a pleasure for us to speak to them, and thanks again to you for listening. So, from Rosie and me, until the next time, goodbye.